All right, go ahead and take your seats. Welcome to Sierra Bible Church. All right, come on in if you're uh, in the coffee shop or the foyer. If you are in junior high, we do not have junior high service on Communion Sunday, which is today. So you may please sit with your family. All right, come on in. Our greeting portion of the service is ending. My name is Amy. If we haven't met, I am part of the staff here at Sierra Bible Church, and I am here to welcome you. If you are new this morning, we want to welcome you as well. We want to make sure you know we have our children's church next door um, from nursery all the way up to fifth grade. Uh, we also have our cry room here and our family room. There's no lights on over there. Okay. Uh, and if you are new or if you've been coming for the last several months and have not picked up your gift that we have for you, that is available at the info booth. It is a scripture journal for the book of Mark because that is what we are in, as well as a coupon to Drink Coffee Do Stuff, one of our favorite coffee shops in downtown Truckee. All right, so I have a few things to share with you this morning. All right, so first off, I want to make sure uh, all you women know that our Titus II Women's Mentoring Program is kicking off this Thursday, October 6th. And so if you have not signed up for that or you have and you uh, can, just want to know more about the program, um, please sign up in the back or just show up here uh, Thursday evenings uh, in Ray Hall. Um, they, don't, they meet all throughout the month, so this is not a normal time they meet. This is the actual first day in the kickoff to get to know who your group is if you've already signed up, or if you want to sign up, you can do it that evening. So that is happening this week. Uh, something else happening next week is we have a baby shower coming up. Yay! I'm so glad someone's excited. And uh, no, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because we celebrate um, every time a family has their first child here at Sierra Bible, we have a baby shower for them. So it may not be their first child, but if it's their first child here, we want to celebrate with them and we want to just support the family and new parents as they enter into a new season of life. So that is next Monday. Uh, at the end of the month, our youth group is putting on a mystery, murder mystery party. I don't don't know what this all entails. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be so fun. It's for junior high and senior high. It's separated. And there are limited spots, but there are still a few spots left in both uh, groups. And so you need to sign up for that as well. You can just talk to um, Pastor Caleb about getting your student there um, for this exciting event that's happening. Moving on. Okay. Truck or Treat is also an exciting event that's happening because it's a community-wide event. It is something I think that a lot of locals enjoy every year, even though they may not attend this church. And it's a free event for the community. There's, for those of you who haven't been there, there are cars decorated with candy, and then there's carnival games, and there's bounce houses, and there's popcorn and candy, can cotton candy, and so many great things that you want to give your children. And so that is happening, and so we want to make sure you just spread the word. Just spread the word that Trunk or Treat is happening at, in, you know, this month. It is on Halloween night, which is a Monday night this year, and we are collecting candy. So if you haven't seen the bin out there, you can take a peek. The candy goes in. You do not pull it out, okay? There are some open bags in there. I'm not sure if they came that way, but candy goes in. You do not take it out, Okay. We will be collecting all month long. Um, lastly, I want to point out that October is actually Pastor Appreciation Month. I know. <laughs> it's probably the month of many other things, too. But we're focusing on Pastor Appreciation. Um, and if you don't realize, so Pastor Wayne retired last year in December of 2021. And so all of this year, um, as the church has grown quite a bit, we've still only had three pastors. There are Pastor Jesse, Pastor Brad, and Pastor Caleb. That's it. Three pastors to shepherd all of you and all the people that were here before you and all the people that didn't come today. Okay? Um, and it's, it's you know, it, I, it, I make it in light, but, um, you know, the heaviness and what the pastors carry and what they do every week, I don't, I don't know what that is um, because I don't carry that load. But I know they carry a load. 
Um, and I know they care deeply about each and every one of your souls and your growth. And it's why everything's been happening and going on here. Um, that is opportunities for you to get into community groups and so forth. But they're the ones shepherding, shepherding you. And so I have made these very beautiful boxes that are located at the info booth with their names on it, right? Very clear. They'll be there all month long for you to place in there a card or a note from your child or a gift card, you know, or whatever you want to put in the box. However, do not let the box fool you. You may um, give things that are larger than the box. That's fine too, you know, much larger. But this box will be there. And if for some reason your item does not fit in the box, you can, you can donate, you can bring that to the office or we'll figure it out, okay? But this box is there and that's what it's for. It's gonna be there all month long and they're not gonna get what's in the box until the end of the month. So it'll be like, you know, surprise. So that, pastor appreciate. <laughs> okay, but, all right, we're, I'm done. So <laughs> I do wanna welcome up Abby Casey, who is pretty much our children's director and she has something to share with you also about appreciation. Thank you. Um, I was up here just a couple, like maybe just a couple of months ago to let everybody know that we really needed volunteers next door in nursery and SBC kids. And I just wanna thank everybody who has stepped up to volunteer and everybody who has been praying for us. Um, if anybody doesn't know, things are just wonderful over there. It's just such a blessing to be a part of the kids program that we have, and we have a phenomenal team. We have a lot of people who have not only said that they want to volunteer, but also saying, like, put me anywhere. What do you need? How often do you need it? Just really, really available for whatever needs need to be met. And so we're just very thankful for our church and how everybody wants to be involved in that. So thank you if that is you. Um, we are doing our teacher appreciation brunch on October 22nd to Saturday here in Ray Hall and so we just want to appreciate the teachers who are involved in Sunday school and so I want to invite anybody who is part of Sunday school to come to that uh, also if you are still considering joining um, this ministry but you're not sure yet or you might do that down the road you are welcome to come as well and it's a really nice morning just for all of us to spend together all of the teachers kind of serve at different times throughout the month in different services so we want to get everybody together just to enjoy a morning um, and appreciate all of our teachers with food and fun and um, we will also be just talking about some of the important things coming up and the things that we wanna do over the next year. We are gonna be starting a new curriculum that we're using to teach. So we're gonna go over that, which is gonna be really good. And then also just some of the things that we wanna keep in mind over the next year, things that we wanna see happen in the growth for our teachers and the kids. Uh, so I would invite anybody who is involved or who wants to be involved to come to that. And the other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, our church, as you know, is growing and it's no different next door. We have new families almost every single week and so the classrooms are getting full. And so one of the things that we've decided to do is for second service to split one of our classes. So first service is gonna stay the same. We have three through K, first and second grade and third through fifth grade. Second service, we're gonna split the third to fifth grade class and now it's gonna be third and fourth grade and fifth and sixth grade together. So we missed our sixth graders. We want them to come back. Um, so that's gonna be starting in November. So just keep that in mind. And the other thing is uh, I wanted to make sure that everybody, just to give the reminder to please make sure that we're doing check-in and check-out very well. We wanna make sure that all of our kids stay safe and that we're following um, just things that are put into place so that we can have things run smoothly and take care of our families and take care of our kids. So we do wanna make sure that kids are not coming over by themselves to come in. They have to be checked in by their adult um, to get their name tags and to get the sticker that goes to you. So please make sure you're doing that if you bring children. And then same thing for checking out. If they come to Sunday school and they're checked in, you have to come over and pick them up. Um, so. Yeah, a lot of kids, and I think a lot of families are comfortable with their um, kiddos just, you know, 
being dismissed when they're done, but they do have to be picked up by their parent at the end of Sunday school. So just please make sure that we are doing that. Uh, so if you have any questions or you want to talk about any of these things or you want to get involved, um, please come talk to me afterwards or you can always email me at the sbckids at sbctrekkie.com email. This week we're going to have a link on our website from this slide so that you can register for the brunch. Um, which I should have said earlier, but you know, that's okay. So that's everything. So please come talk to me if you need anything or want to chat about any of that, and I would love to see you. All right, thank you. Okay. Oh, I almost tripped. Good morning. Good morning. Man, I'm so happy to see all of you. I really am. Thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Jesse. Uh, I get to preach the word this morning, so. So glad you're with us. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Go to verse 32. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. One of the ushers will gladly hand you one of ours. Uh, you can turn and use it. If you don't own a Bible and you want one, please take this one as a gift from us. Let me make a couple um, uh, announcements in addition to what you just heard. One is, of course, with Abby, as she mentioned, uh, with with uh, the the kids church, we are trying to be punctual in everything that we do. Uh, what most of you don't have to worry about, uh, it, from from at least my point of view, is having to worry about how crazy it is next door. But it does get chaotic, and so we're trying to be timely with pickups and drop offs. But let me <clears throat> say this: the last couple months, the last month has has been really busy for us as a team. Our fiscal year, which means how we handle our finances as a church. Uh, happens between October to October. So everything that we do to plan for the coming year basically has now already been done uh, for financial purposes and, and vision purposes and, and all of that. As Amy mentioned, as well as even Abby, you know, we have been very graced in that our church is growing. Uh, so you are aware our church uh, has between six and 700 people that call SBC home. That's between all of the services, that's with the kids, that's with even our seasonal folks that call SBC home for three months or six months out of the year. That is our entirety and our family. Three pastors amongst that. Uh, to serve all of those individuals. We've been kind of overwhelmed. So I wanna let you know about some strategic changes that we've made. Number one, Joe Casey and Abby were both teaming up together to do children's church. We've asked Joe to kind of step a little bit more away from that and we've hired Abby. So Abby is actually now our children's director. She's being paid for that. She's been volunteering over the last year and we wanna make sure your kids are taken care of well. To do that, that requires investment. So we've brought her on. In addition to that, uh, we needed a little bit more support staff, and especially with our events and some other things in the office, IT help and, and whatnot. And to help with that a couple days of the week, we've hired Marley. So <clears throat> Marley's being compensated. Uh, and then because, again, our church is growing and, and we care about your uh, well-being and serving you, counseling you, and discipling you, uh, we have decided through a lot of prayer and wrestling we're hiring brad beers as well so brad beers will be on our team as one of our pastors <clears throat> and that's going to help the team out quite a bit and and so you as you know if you were here last week brad had to preach through probably the hardest text in mark uh and we felt so sorry for him we decided to pay him for it so <clears throat> is he here this morning he's not here is he chicken <laughs> okay um last week too brad mentioned you know he, the, the if you weren't aware you know he talked a lot about relationship and marriage and, and all of that and he he intended to he shared this with me this week he intended to and i'll extend it that if you're wrestling in your marriage wrestling for any purpose really at all we're here for you we want you to know uh, that we understand that uh, relationships are hard and, and we need grace and we need God in that. We need each other in that. And so if you find yourself in any of the categories or struggles that, that Brad maybe mentioned last week, we have a staff here to serve you. And, and one of the things that we're dedicated to five days a week, Monday through Friday, is to have the offices available for counseling and for equipping and discipling and all of that. So if, if you have any struggles, please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, we're here to help. We're here to guide. We're here to serve. Okay, so let me ask this question before we kind of dive into uh, the, the text this morning. If somebody were to ask you, 
If I accept Christ as my Savior, if I, if I come to this place where I'm willing to put my faith in Jesus, what will Jesus do to me? What will Christianity make of me? What happens when I become a Christian? There are a lot of things that happen when you become a Christian. Uh, in fact, I would say there are so many amazing and beautiful things that happen when we become Christians, when we put our faith in Christ. One message obviously would never be sufficient. There's a great book in the uh, bookstore by John Piper titled, 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die. I'm sure that if we looked at those reasons and we dissected them, if we were to do our, our good work of studying scripture, we would find that there's probably far more than even 50 reasons why Jesus came to die. In fact, in his book, he, he goes on to say that Jesus came to be a propitiation for our sins. That's a big million dollar word that essentially means that Jesus became the wrath-bearing sacrifice on our behalf. Piper goes on to say in that book that if we dive deeper into Scripture, we'll see that he, he died on the cross to please his Father, to show his love to us, his grace, to forgive us of our sins, to heal us, to clear us of our conscience, the guilt that sometimes some of us feel, to give us eternal life, to free us from the slavery of sin and death, to create a people, the Bible says, that are passionate for good works. He came to give us an inheritance, to live for us, that we would not be a slave to ourselves, and that God can and does use evil things to bring about good, and that he ultimately exists to glorify himself. All of these things are reasons why Jesus came. Now, if you're a student of scripture, or if you're a student of any kind of literature, you know that when you're reading in order to comprehend that which you're reading, there are certain questions that are always really healthy to ask. If you had a great college teacher, one of the things they probably told you before you read a book is before you read the book, the first thing you should study is the table of contents. So you have an idea of at least what, what is the chapter trying to tell me that should be in the heading. And that is the title of the message this morning. What will the gospel make of us? What will it do to us? What are the implications? Now, as we study literature and we ask the question, why is what is being written, written? Who is reading this? What would be their understanding? What is my understanding? And in fact, as you learn to study literature, you'll find, especially in essays and things like that, you may not find the exact purpose of why the article is written until much later in the book. Well, this is no different than in Scripture. There's places like in 1 John where we don't find the purpose of 1 John till much later. Now here this morning, in our passage this morning, all the way in the middle, almost near the end of chapter 10, we finally get the purpose statement of the book of Mark. Uh, you've seen it on the, 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 the slides, follow the servant. You've seen it in, in little hints here and there throughout the message, uh, throughout messages over the last several months. But here this morning, Mark gives us Jesus's purpose statement. He gives us the reason within this gospel that we are to hone in and to answer that question, what will Jesus make of us? What will the gospel make of us? So that said, I'm going to do a little bit out of turn this morning. Normally we would read the entirety of our segment, but before we stand, I want you to know we're just going to read a couple verses and it is that purpose statement. So if you are able and willing, would you please stand with me as we honor God's word and read chapter 10, <clears throat> verse 44. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all, which segues into his purpose statement for the gospel of Mark. For even the son of man, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And for this, Lord, we pray that we would take your life of service and emulate it, that you would be glorified and we would be made filled with your joy. In Jesus' name, the church said, you may take a seat. Now remember, where Brad ended last week was with a story of a rich young ruler. A man with a lot of wealth comes to Jesus, says, Jesus, 
He asked Jesus the question that all of us should ask, what must I do to be saved? Jesus' response is basically, you have to live a perfect life. Funny enough, the man responds back with, well, I have done that. So Jesus then says to him, then sell everything that you have. And we are told that the man walks away sorrowful for he had much. What is it that Jesus essentially is trying to teach? Well, remember, even previously to that, he said, if you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you have to be like a child. You have to become like a child. The problem with the rich young ruler is he is unable to bring himself to dependence upon Jesus because his dependence is not upon God and what he provides, but rather what his savings account provides. His faith, his resolution is in his bank account and not in the Lord. Essentially, again, what Jesus is telling the young ruler, in order for you to be saved, you have to humble yourself and become dependent like a child. And he left because he didn't want to be a child. He didn't want to humble himself. He didn't want to be dependent. He didn't want to have a safeguard, a safety net to fall into. And so on the heels of that, we pick up in verse 32. After this occurrence... And the question that the disciples ask, if this is the reality of the rich individual not being saved, then who can be saved? And obviously the answer is that through man, no one can be saved, but through God, the miracle can occur. So then in verse 32, it says this, and they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. Two words that are important for our discussion this morning, the word up and the word Jerusalem. Both are very, very important. Let's remind ourselves of the purpose of chapter 8 in Mark, chapter 9, and chapter 10. Those three chapters, the three chapters we're in, the sole purpose is for Jesus to begin to pour into specifically into his 12 disciples. The emphasis is transferring the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit into his disciples that they will go into the world and proclaim the gospel that people... Sinners would be saved and reconciled back to relationship with God. So he's on the road. Why is he on the road? Going up to Jerusalem? Discipleship time, conversation time, relationship time. Now, again, when we read this, you have to go into your own minds and into what we're understanding. Because, again, Mark layers everything. Look again, that word up. The word up is important because we just, uh, uh, not that long ago, we saw that word, they went up with Peter, James, John, and Jesus to the top of Mount Hermon. And on the top of Mount Hermon, what occurred on that mountain? Jesus was transfigured. Moses shows up. Eliza, Elijah shows up. So this has to be wonderful news for these guys, right? Because in their minds, they're probably thinking he's going up to Jerusalem. And going up to Jerusalem is similar language as to going up to the Mount of Top Hermon. I'm sure the other nine are ecstatic because they're finally like, we're finally going to see what Peter, James, and John got to see. We finally get to experience the radical nature of Jesus. Now, what's interesting about this language is, first of all, if you go up to Jerusalem, no matter where you are in that territory, to go to Jerusalem required you to go up to Jerusalem. Right, very similar to where we live, right? If you live in Reno to get to Truckee, you got to go up. If you're in Roseville to get to Truckee, you got to go up. No matter which direction you came from, to go to the holy city of Jerusalem, you had to go up. So they're going up. But the Jews always by nature said, when it was in regard to Jerusalem, we go up to Jerusalem for its transcendence, for its beauty, for its holiness. So they use that language, we go to Jerusalem. During the Passover, all of the Jews would migrate from all over the known world to go up to Jerusalem to make a sacrifice for their sins at the temple in Jerusalem. And in the Jewish mind, in the Jewish mind, this up also speaks of the throne this is where Jesus, the Messiah, God, will reside. And in their minds, they're going up to Jerusalem, not for death, not for crucifixion, but for militaristic overthrowing power against Rome and against the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They think in their minds, we're going up to Jerusalem to take over the world. And yet this is not the message of Jesus, is it? 
No, instead, he gives his third passion, which is just a fancy way of saying what is passionate in his heart. It's the third prediction of what he is passionate about. This is the most detailed explanation of why he has set his face towards Jerusalem. And he gives us six details in this passage of the cross. We go up to Jerusalem, not for transfiguration, but death. That Jesus will be delivered, condemned, delivered again, one and delivered to the priests and scribes, the other one being delivered to the Gentiles. So the prophecy is both Gentiles, the Roman soldiers will be involved in the crucifixion, and so will be the scribes and the Pharisees, for they are the ones driving the crucifixion. He'll be delivered to both. He will be beaten beyond comprehension, mocked, spit upon, and flogged. He will be killed, murdered, and he will rise again. Six specific reasons while Jesus, six specific things, details of how Jesus will die. You know what this is the equivalent of? This is the equivalent of sitting down with the family at dinner and everyone around the table is having a conversation and the matriarch or the patriarch of the table announces to all of the family at the table, FYI, I have cancer and I am going to die from this cancer. It is fatal. There's no cure. Some of you have had that news. Some of you have gone through family members with that news. That is the news that Jesus has just broken to his disciples. I am going to the cross and I will die. What will be the family's response? Well, if you've read the text, you know that it's not a great one. And James and John, verse 35, the sons of Zebedee came up to him and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Can you not see the contrast of the ridiculousness? Dad has just announced to the family, I'm dying, and the response is, oh, well, can you give me some things? It's, it's, it almost, almost has a, a little bit of the, the prodigal son to it. I want our inheritance now. But now, let, let, now they're going to get a bad rap for this because it is a foolish error to request this ask. Do whatever we want. But this is no different than so many other different denominations and Christians that teach what, what we would call, have you ever heard of this term before? Therapeutic moralistic deism. You like that term? Think about it for a moment. Well, essentially, the, the, the term therapeutic moralistic deism is a big fancy way to say that what churches are doing today is not preaching the gospel and preaching Christ, but rather what they're preaching is therapy. Feel good about yourself. Come on, feel good. God loves you. Put a big smile on your face. Come on. Therapeutic, moralistic, do good things. Faith is not about what Jesus has done. It's about what you need to do. Do, 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 do. Therapeutic, moralistic, oh, but we throw God in. It's unhealthy. The proclamation of, of, of what churches should be doing is expressing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, and our response is to rejoice. There's nothing left for us to really do because he's already done it. And so here... The heart of the gospel, Jesus says this in the passage, the reason of this book. I came to serve, verse 45, not to be served. And what Jesus is doing on the road is he's showing his entire life and he's showing all of the cross ahead of time in prophecy that if we recognize who Jesus is, in gratitude and thankfulness and in faith, we should emulate him. And the response of do whatever we want you to do should instead in turn be, Lord, command me to do whatever you want me to do. You see, they're in error with their attitude. Now, <clears throat> this cost of service is hard for us. Because the language that's used here, I mean, let, let, let's, 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 let's go deeper. Verse 45, Jesus says he came to serve, 
but there's other language in here that you would be a servant or the language that's used in verse 43, whoever be great among you must be your servant and whoever first among you would be what? This is why, this is why studying the original language is so important. Because some of you, it sounds like have right first and last the language that's used here. And the reason, the reason this is why you need to look into what translation you read uh, and I don't, I'm not saying one's necessarily better than the other, but it's worth looking into, is because sometimes the, those who are translating the text want to make it sound a little bit more culturally palatable for you. So for instance, my translation uses the word at the end of verse 44, first among you must be your slave. Can anyone think of any good reasons why they might want to translate that as something other than slave? Because in our culture, the connotation is very negative. But in Jesus's day, the word that is used here in the original language is the, the word doulos. And a doulos goes all the way back in the Old Testament. Because slavery in the Bible, for the most part, is different than how we think of American slavery. In the Bible, you became a slave to somebody because you owed them money, right? If you couldn't afford a house, or you couldn't afford food, or you couldn't afford whatever that thing is. You couldn't afford a chariot to do carpooling with your kids in, or whatever it might be. You'd go borrow money from somebody, and if you couldn't pay it off, you would become a, a slave. And what that meant is, instead of paying necessarily a percentage, though the percentage may be attached to it, you would live with that person and become basically their homemaker in every single way. Man, you did the dishes, you vacuumed the dirt because they didn't have carpet then. You, you cleaned that place up. That was your job until, until you paid off your debt. Now, because sometimes the money was so much for people to owe, they ended up serving families for years. And inevitably what would happen is that term would come to an end. You are no longer a slave to me. You've paid off of your debt. You've done what is right. And what would happen is that the servant of the home would come to love the family and the family would come to love the slave. And when the term came to an end, a doulos was someone who said, you know what? I know my debt is paid off, but I love your family and I feel like family, that I now am going to freely choose to be your slave. And by freely choosing to be a slave, what they would do, so all would know the status of that person. That person, because of his love for the family, would take his ear, put it up against a door, and they would drive a nail through the ear. You ever seen any kids like that? <laughs> and they have a big old hole in their ear. And what that stated to society was, I'm a free will slave. I love my family that I serve and I wanna keep serving them freely. So Jesus's words here are not, you will be a slave and you will lose yourself. It's rather, you will be a slave. Well, remember the, the, the title of the message? What will the gospel make of us? The gospel, when you receive it in full gratitude and understanding of what he's done on the cross, those six details, you become a free will slave. You're not afraid to show people, I have a hole in my heart that's been pierced there by Christ and filled with Christ. And because he's done this work in me, I now freely give my life to my king and I bow and say to the Lord, you tell me what to do, Lord, and I'll do it. For the four of you, Children's Church needs some servers, so we'll see. You made yourself accountable at that point. Well, Matthew tells us the rest of the story. If it isn't ridiculous enough, the Gospel of Matthew actually tells us. I'm sorry, not, uh, is it Matthew or is it uh, Luke? Matthew 19, thank you. And Matthew chapter 19 What's interesting enough, actually I'm bouncing around. Where, where am I? Hold on one second. Just give me a second. Uh, chapter 20. If you, if you want to turn there with me, go to Matthew chapter 20. And in Matthew chapter 20, it tells us that not only were the sons requesting this, 
right? I alluded to this a couple weeks ago. The mother of the sons, chapter 20, verse 20 of, of, of Matthew, not Luke, Matthew 20, 20. The mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him and with her sons. So on the journey to Jerusalem, Mama Bear has joined in on the journey. And kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? And she said, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in the kingdom. Okay, this is no different. If you've ever been a coach of, of any kind of sport, this is the language of almost any parent whose kid's not playing. How come my son's not on the game? How come he's not playing, right? This is a mom. Hey, Jesus, I know that James and John were on the top with you. Will you give them what I request? Make them the very first. Now, why is this ridiculous? Matthew 19, 28. Go back. Go back. Go back just a little bit. Matthew 19, 28. Jesus said to them, look at, listen to the promise of the Christ to his 12. I say to you, in the new world, right? The, the, even, if, even if they believe in the militaristic overthrow of Rome, there's a new world coming. Here's the promise from Jesus to the 12. When the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, you'll also sit on 12 thrones, and you will judge the 12 tribes of Israel. So Jesus said, listen, in the new world, those of you who, who are disciples, you're going to help me judge Israel in the new world. Their response, not good enough. Not good enough. Those thrones aren't good enough. We want a better throne. This is the heart of humanity, isn't it? Jesus says, this is your lot in life. And all of us go, but I want more. You know what was a great statistic for me to read this week? Great for me. <laughs> not so great for some of you. Two-thirds of those who bought houses in the COVID season regret it. That's a new stat. Two-thirds of those who went out and bought homes and moved during COVID regret it. If you're still here, congratulations. Because the heart thinks that if we have better circumstances, better influence amongst leaders, then our lives will be better. And Jesus is, look at Jesus' response. Look at what he says to him. You don't know what you are asking for. You don't know what it is that you're really asking for. So Jesus asked them another question. Look at, look at verse 35 for context. James and John, sons of Zebedee, came up to him. Do whatever we want. Jesus answers, what do you want me to do? He's gracious. And he said to him, they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right, one at your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am about to be baptized with? And their response is, yeah, totally. I like drinking things. Baptism didn't seem that rough. But they miss the context. They're forgetting prophecy. They're forgetting Old Testament. They're, they're not realizing what it is that Jesus is saying. They've forgotten the passion prediction. He's going to die. What is this cup and what is this baptism he speaks of? Uh, the cup is a way of saying, are you able to share in fellowship and communion, as we're about to partake in in a few moments, are you able to share the same fate as me? The cup throughout scripture, whether it's Psalm 75, 8, or Isaiah 51, all of these passages are in your notes that you received this morning. There is scripture after scripture that basically tells us that the cup that Jesus is talking about here is the cup of God's wrath and the cup of God's judgment. And Jesus knew in the garden of Gethsemane that he was going to absorb the wrath you deserve and the judgment you deserve. That's that word propitiation, a wrath-bearing sacrifice. If you were to quickly, and I don't encourage you to do this, but allow your mind to just go over in just a split seconds moment, all of your sins that are worthy of death and destruction, Jesus absorbed them on the cross. He took all of it. That's what the cup is the wrath you deserve. That's why Jesus in the garden, if you can pass this from me, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup get away from me. 
So Jesus is asking, are you willing to drink the wrath? The other one is the baptism. It's not talking about the baptism of conversion where you share your faith with a bunch of people that you are saved, that you've died with Christ. You've been resurrected with Christ. Baptism was a way, this word baptism, especially in the Old, Old Testament, is a way it's a, a, to, to communicate the symbol of trouble, a deluge of trouble, a baptism of trouble. That literally when Jesus was on the cross, he was drowned in pain, drowned in sorrow, drowned in all that is ugly in the world. Think of how heavy it is to carry your own guilt. And Jesus carried the world's guilt. So he asked the disciples, are you able, are you able to drink the cup of God's wrath and judgment? And are you able to be baptized in a deluge of trouble? And ignorantly they say, uh -huh. And the sad state is that they all died. These men all died a martyr's death. In fact, John who's right here with his mom asking to be great. John will be driven into the court system. He will be counted as guilty for sharing his faith. He will be thrown into a vat of boiling oil to die. John actually will live through that only to be isolated on the island of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. John surely tasted the baptism and the cup and what Jesus is essentially sharing for those of us who are disciples, for those of us who ask the question, what will the gospel make of us? It will make us douloses that are willing to suffer and serve for the greater glory of God. I mean, throughout this passage, you can't help but see that to serve is a challenge. It rubs against our flesh. We want to be first, but we have to say no to the ways of the world. What does Jesus say about those who rule in the passage? The CEOs of the world, the Elon Musks of the world, they are slave drivers. They will work you to the bone. They will ensure that you are fitting into the massive cog of machinery to churn out the next widget or the next thing. In Jesus' words in verse 43, if you're gonna be a leader, if you're gonna change the world, this should not be the case amongst you. For us as Christians, we say no to the ways of the world, its power, its power hungriness, its power, uh, gl its glory hunger. I mean, that's all we are all about is, as sinful humans is trying to steal the great glory of God. And we say no to those things. As Philippians tells us, we, we choose to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility to count others more significant than ourselves. How good are you at counting everybody is more important than you? Let each of you not look out to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Why? Because you have this mind in you that is yours in Christ Jesus. My friends, if you're asking the question, how do I humble myself and serve? You tap into Jesus. He's given you the same heart of Christ. To serve, say yes, no to the ways of the world, and yes, absolute yes to the ways of Christ. C.J. Mahaney says, ultimately, our Christian service exists only to draw attention to this source, to our crucified and risen Lord who gave himself as a ransom for us. Right? That, that, that's, that's what it exists for, to bring attention to the Lord. Now, how do we ultimately do this? We have to consider the ultimate source, and that is Jesus. Look at verse 45. Again, for the Son of Man, that is the title of God, the title of his humanity and his deity. He came not to be served. He didn't come that we would serve him. He didn't come that we, we, we would be just so honed in on, on, on everything that he wants and desires. That wasn't his main goal. His main goal was to meet your ultimate need and desire. His main goal was to serve you with hopes that, yes, you would come out of it and be like him. But the goal isn't just pure obedience and pure servanthood. The goal is to look to him who is the perfect servant. He is our doulos. He is the one that was pierced willingly within his hands and his feet and his side 
that we could see that Jesus said, I will serve you. I will freely be yours. I will wash your feet. Isn't that an amazing thing? He became the servant and he surely is far higher and greater than any of us. And he says to us that here in this passage, as we consider him, he says he gave his life for a ransom. You know why that's important language? You should circle that word ransom because it's language of captivity, isn't it? It's language of terrorism. The terrorist has demanded a ransom for his fugitives. What is the terrorist? Sin, shame, death, disease. All of us at some point have sold ourselves into this slavery. And Jesus has come and he's purchased the key with his death on the cross to let you out of your cage so that you can finally be free in this world. Jesus has purchased you with a price and he's given his life as a ransom for many. This is language no longer slave, no longer dead in your trespasses, no longer orphaned, but brought into the family of God. One pastor says it like this, we had run away like fools and sold ourselves to Satan and slavery. And Jesus sees our pitiful and hopeless situation, pays the ransom, redeems us out of slavery, and then he brings us into the Father's house. Amen? And then lastly, Jesus gives us an example of perfect servanthood. And just for a few moments, if you look at verses 46 through 52, we come across a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus, that name that is given to him, literally means son of filth. The language that's used here is to see that this is a blind man who's crying out for desperation. And Jesus, again, he sandwiches this beautiful passage of servanthood with the prediction of his death in service to us. And then another beautiful picture of healing a blind man who is considered the filth of the world. My friends, if we're going to have an impact, we serve the least of these. We humble ourselves, and, and instead of, of coming to Jesus and saying, do whatever we ask of you, we come and we kneel before the Lord, and we say, Lord, I will do whatever you ask of me. And the result will be that you will obey the Lord, and you'll do it imperfectly. Did you know that? Did you know there's no such thing as perfect obedience? Right? If, if someone says to you, have you made Jesus your Lord? You know the real answer, even for those of you who are saved, is no. It's yes and no. It's that same language of, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, you're my master. But if I'm honest, I'm still always trying to sneak a couple extra cookies out of the cookie jar. And then I get caught, and my job is to humble myself and say, Lord, I know that that's not healthy for me. And I'm going to put that aside, and I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can with the help of your spirit to serve your people. You see, the person who has the most influence serves the most people. And if you're asking the question, how do I change Truckee? How do I change my job? How do I change my life? How do I change my marriage? How do I change my parenting? The answer is become the least of all and serve. And it is in that that God makes us great. The key to great, telling you, we're going to leave here. Not all of us are going to get it, are we? The key to greatness is not how many likes you have. The key to greatness is how many people you serve and they don't even know it. They don't even know what you do. The left hand doesn't know, but the Lord knows. And that's when you have to ask, ask, answer the question, why do you do the things you do? Why are you doing the things you're doing? Why do you have the job you have? Why do you live where you live? Why are you consuming the things you consume? All of us need to ask those questions. Why? And hopefully we get to that place where we say, I'm doing it for the glory of the Lord. And if you want to have more influence again, just lay your life down and serve in any way you can without getting credit for it and pointing to the Lord. As the team comes forward, I want to ask the worship team to come on up and um, uh, the, uh, my elders and deacons or our elders and deacons that serve you and if you guys and gals could come up to serve 
and you can start handing out the, the bread and the juice and we'll partake together. So hold on to them. And if you're not familiar with communion, we try to do this at least on a monthly basis for our church to remember the fact that Jesus drank the cup of wrath. And when you hold that cup in your hand, you drink his grace instead of drinking his wrath. And so if you guys can go ahead and hand that out, we'll just take a few moments. Brad will uh, sing a song with us and then we'll uh, partake together. And if you're at home watching online, you have just a little bit of time to go ahead and grab the elements so you can partake with us. water, earth, and sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high. God wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy. The universe declares your majesty You are holy, holy Early in the morning I will celebrate the light And when I stumble in the darkness And I will call your name by night God wonders beyond our galaxy you are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are holy, holy. Lord of heaven and earth. Lord of heaven and earth and hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth Precious Lord, reveal your heart to me. Father, holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. For you are holy, holy, holy. like him the lion and the lamb seated on the throne my 
Mountains bow down, every ocean rose to the Lord of hosts. Praise Adonai, from the rising of the sun to the end of every day. Praise Adonai. All the nations of the earth, all the angels and the saints sing praise. They sing praise. I was thinking back a little bit on just years of service here at the church and and uh and just you know my own heart and and wrestling through how well am i a servant of the lord and obviously there's so much more work to be done <clears throat> years back when brad and i were teaming together and doing youth ministry we would partake uh communion with the kids every month like we do here and and there was one sunday or one wednesday night actually some of the kids in the group decided to crack the cups at the very end of communion. And it caught me off guard, and, and after a while, it became a thing where we would do it on youth group with all of our leaders, and youth group was really thriving and doing well, and, and we, uh, we'd crack those cups at the end, and we would say, as we do here on Sunday morning, his body broken on our behalf. And Wayne had no idea. Pastor Wayne was leading the church at the time. He had no idea that we were doing that next door. You know, I don't know. I didn't advertise it. Didn't think it was that big of a deal. But there was about 30 to 50 students and leaders in here on a Sunday during communion. And Wayne did communion. And all, you know, 50 kids or whatever cracked their cups. And you could see Wayne turn pale from the pulpit. He had no idea what had just happened. And he came up to me and he knew it was all kids. And he was like, what in the world was that? And I had to explain to him, and he was like, oh, and just by happenstance, it's become a tradition. So if you've ever wondered why we crack our cups at the very end, it goes like 15 years back in youth ministry as a way to tactile, a way to feel in our hands what Christ has done for us. It's, it's a way for Jesus to say, listen, I understand that I am the God that is in you and, and, and a part of you, and you're in me, and, and here's something you can hold and touch because I know how foolish you are. I, I walked with these 12 guys. They, they need good pictures, good solid pictures. Here's a good picture. He drank the cup of God's wrath so we could drink the cup of his grace. And this is a beautiful moment for us as a family to sit down and hear the words of the Lord. Yeah, I, I'm going to die so you can live. Take heart. I'm going to overcome the world. I'm going to break through that grave. I'm bigger than your problems. I'm bigger than your sin. Would you just have faith in me to carry you? To love you well? Do you have faith enough to let Jesus serve your family? To serve you because he wants to serve you. Did you know that? He wants to serve your family. He wants to serve you well. And he already has. He's already proven himself. And so Lord, as we partake together... We thank you that you indeed took the sin on your body that we deserve. You were pierced with our transgressions, Lord. You who knew no sin, you became sin on our behalf that we would become the righteousness of God. I pray, Lord, that that truth would strengthen our faith this morning and that the translation of that strengthened faith will be a life of humble service unto you to give you the glory that you rightly deserve, that others would see you as the true light to come to for salvation and comfort, to finally find who you really are. So we celebrate you, those of us who call you our Father and our friend and our counselor. We come together and we say thank you for your death. Thank you for defeating death. Thank you for serving us well. We partake in Jesus' name. His body broken. Hey, um, it's really common on Communion Sunday for us to 
go a little later. I'm always really thankful when you're gracious for my length of preaching at times. Um, but as Abby stated, if you have kids next door, would you please go over there and grab them for their benefit? <laughs> this will ensure that I am not crucified by our, our kids team. So we love you. We'll see you next week. We do love you. We're here for you. God bless you. Have a great week. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. I want to see. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. I want to see. See you.